On today's episode of the Keto Camp Podcast, we talk about clean keto ingredients, how to shop for them, what are the red flags, how to make incredible keto meals at home with Anna Pacino. There's 30% of the population who can eat whatever they want and their outer body shell meat suit doesn't reflect any sort of damage. I don't know about their inner because I can't speak what anybody's blood work is doing or whatever. But, and it's like, well, hey, I want to be able to eat that thing. <laughs> we I we know. understand. We get it. I know but you do. you can't. <laughs> That's just the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> you can't. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, the host of the Keto Camp Podcast. Thank you so much for pressing play today. We have a fun, entertaining hilarious and informative conversation with Anna Vicino. I've been a huge fan of her work for quite some time. She is a a woman of many, many talents, which you'll hear about today. She is an original podcaster. She is an original gluten-free individual who started doing it before there was a gluten-free rage out there. And she's going to share her backstory, uh, having symptoms, getting sick, and realizing she had celiac disease that was inherited from her mother and how she has been gluten-free since 2002 She'll share about that, and then we'll get into keto. We'll get into how keto is so popular, which is awesome, but also the drawback is a lot of these companies are taking advantage. And I know you can relate when you see all of these keto-approved products and you're wondering, but is it actually healthy? So we'll talk about finding the right keto products out there. Uh, When you're shopping at the grocery store, when you are looking for keto-approved foods, what are the ingredients you want to avoid? We'll talk about artificial sweeteners, definitely talk about seed oils. We'll talk about her cookbooks. She has two cookbooks, Eat Happy and Eat Happy 2, which has some incredible recipes. She's actually going to share an amazing recipe with you all, cassava flour with eggs and um, Parmesan cheese and pork rinds. Oh my gosh, wait until you hear about that recipe. She will share some other recipes out there for you as well. I also asked her the question, how do you get your family on board? Like if you have kids or teenagers and you want them to eat clean, what, what is the process of doing so? So if, you're a, if you have a family, you, you, want, you want to hear that part of the episode. We'll talk about her relationship with uh, Vinny Tortorich, who is an awesome, awesome individual who has a great book, No Sugar, No Grains, and how that changed her life. His podcast is Fitness Confidential and as a, a, a co-hosting with him all the time. We'll discuss the benefits of laughing and laughter for health and how she's actually a stand-up comedian. You can actually watch her and her husband in person. We'll talk about that as well. So sit back, relax. Uh, You're going to laugh a lot, and you're going to be really informed with today's episode with Anna Pacino. I can't wait to bring her on. Before I do, I want to take a minute to get to today's Apple Podcast rating and review of the day. This five-star review comes from Pastor Lance, titled, Raise Your Keto Game to the Next Level. I was a little familiar with the ketogenic diet, and was always looking for some new information. When I stumbled upon Ben's podcast, I started listening. It was so helpful and so much useful information because I myself have also struggled with being obese and wanted to find a way to live a healthier lifestyle. I'm so grateful for Ben and Keto Camp and the information and all the helpful tips, but this podcast provides it all. It is inspiring, motivational, and I also share things that I've learned with others around me. Thank you, Ben. That is so incredible, Pastor Lance. I love that you're listening and sharing it with people that you know. Uh, That actually helps you retain 
what you're learning. That's a little hack for you all. Whatever you're learning on the podcast or anywhere else, teach it to somebody else and it increases your retention rate. Uh, that's one of the benefits and why I have so many educational videos and create so much content. I'm always sharing information because the more I share it, not only do I help more people, but it actually helps me retain it. So bravo, Lance. Thank you so much and keep up the good work. If you have not left the Keto Cam podcast, a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening from, please do so. It really, really helps. And maybe I'll read your review on the next episode. All right, let's have a fun conversation with Anna Vicino. Anna Vicino is an actor, a comic, a podcaster, a cookbooker. She has been in the keto space for quite some time. She has some great products that are healthy, healthy ingredients. She has a couple of uh, cookbooks and some new ones coming out as well. She's one of the original gluten-free people out there. And she helps people just cut through all the noise when it comes to recipes and ingredients to find a practical approach to eat clean. Her website is annavicino.com. You can find her on Instagram at annavicino. Here is Anna. Hey, Anna. Welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast. Well, hello. Thank you for having me. So we have the perfect voice for a podcast because that's actually what you've done for many years, voiceovers. And you have a lot of talents of comedian, you have cookbooks, uh, you're an educator. It's just, uh, I've been, I was telling you offline, I've been an admirer of your work for a very long time. And I'm glad we're doing this. So thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. And likewise, and I'm just going to outright say it, I've been a stalker of your work for quite some time. And I even see you at things like KetoCon and I never go up and say hi, because I'm actually quite shy in person. So it's nice to, to actually chat here on, on the video for the world to see. I would love to give you a big hug in person. Are you, going to, are you going to the next KetoCon? I don't think so. I don't think so. But I'm sure our paths will cross at I'm some sure point. I'm sure they will. We run around in these same circles. We do. Yeah, I'm sure it'll cross. So please come say hi. Or I'll, I'll go say hi to you. How about that? I'll just go give yeah. you a big okay, hug. <laughs> well, now that we've met, it'll be less uh, socially awkward for me to come up and say hello to you. Well, you are an original gluten-free sort of person, right? Because you've been doing a, gl a gluten-free lifestyle since 2002. And what transpired before that? Like what sort of health challenges were you having to that revealed to you? Maybe it's something that I'm eating. Oh gosh, I was in complete denial that it could be anything that I was eating. I'm a Gen Xer and we were always taught that it's not really what you eat, it's just how much you eat. So just don't eat too much and move your body and you'll be fine. And um, it, we were even taught, like I remember the ad campaign for Clearasil in the 80s they wanted you to use benzoyl peroxide and, and just completely scour your face. You know, I remember reading in 17 magazine, it's not what you eat that causes breakouts. It's the fact that you're not washing your face enough. And so we, that's what we believed. You know what I mean? So we, that I didn't think that pizza or brownies or anything like that could be the cause of any medical issue that I have. But my mom was really sick and really suffered from a lot of, like if you go to celiac.org and you look at all the, different crazy symptoms of celiac disease because it does manifest itself in different ways for different people. She had a, a bunch of those. Uh, terrible depression, skin rashes, brittle bones. And she got to the point where the, the failure to thrive with this woman, and she was 58 at the time, was she had to have blood transfusions every four to six weeks because her body wasn't producing enough blood. And she drank Diet Cokes and ate a ton of sugar and ate whatever and was always really thin. And I was the same way back in the day. And I was a ballerina. So I was just like, well, I'm just gonna eat what I want. So a friend of mine who was type one diabetic, and actually discovered it very late in her life told me, hey, I'm not eating gluten. I was like, what's that? And she explained it's in wheat. And uh, because she said type one diabetics can sometimes develop other autoimmune diseases, celiac being one of them. And I'm so glad that she said that because my mom was being tested for everything. I said, test for this thing that Jenny told me about. And sure enough, it was that. And my mom called me and she said, you need to be tested because it's hereditary. And I don't take after my mom at all. I look like my dad. I'm a very Italian. Like I got the whole thing going on. And I was like, I don't have that. <laughs> and I have it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Joke's on me. Yeah. I have celiac. So that, that was it. And so it wasn't very much like a, oh, I'm sick. I need to figure this out because I was 28 when I was diagnosed in 2002. When you're 28, you have the capacity to power through a lot. Just much like how your hangovers are easier when you're younger, your, your celiac or your illnesses. My allergies is like, oh, I guess this is what we have. We're just going to have asthma and respiratory issues and digestive issues. And it's just going to be what it is. 
but you power through it. And I had a two-year-old at the time. So it was like, you just power through and, and you deal. And it wasn't until the, the only, I'm not even gonna say there's a cure because it's an autoimmune. You never cure autoimmune. You just got to manage it. The only management strategy is to not have gluten. And so I cut it out and went through the temper tantrum phase and a lot of things felt better. But then I slowly started putting on weight. <laughs> and part of that was my body healing itself because I apparently hadn't digested a nutrient for my entire life or at least. So when the villi and the small intestines get flattened because of the autoimmune, you don't absorb any nutrients because that's where it, all the magic happens of, of gut absorption, right? <laughs> not, not for me. So I had a DEXA scan and at age 28, I had osteopenia, which doesn't get better. You can't improve it. You can only hope that you don't develop osteoporosis. Very young age to do that. Um, but, you know, very anemic. And I'm sure other, I've since tested for other malabsorption issues. And I do, I do have an issue with my gut not absorbing nutrients that well. So part of it was that I started eating and healing my body. And then part of it was that I was determined to make delicious gluten-free things because what was currently on the market in 2002 was trash. And I was like, I'm going to make yummy stuff like whoopie pies and red velvet, this, that, and the other thing and a, a, a gluten-free donut. Lord willing. I never actually figured that one out. There's, there's no such thing as a good gluten-free donut. Sorry. Actually, no, the donut plant in New York City makes the one gluten-free donut that I've had that's decent. Oh, really? Well, have you, um, have you heard? There's also a company called Fossil Fuel Donuts. It's the only gluten-free oh, donut. I have heard of them. People love them. And I They're haven't great. had that one yet. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna have to try it when I'm gonna do a little splurge. Um, so now I don't eat carbs very often. So I wouldn't even have the donut very often. However, back then I was making everything and blogging about it. And blogging also, food blogging was a great way in, in between jobs, the entertainment industry, because you kind of got to wait for the phone to ring. You audition your butt off and then you got to wait for the phone to ring to get a job. So it's a great way to kind of take control and put some content out there. Then I just kind of was slowly putting on weight. And then in 2012, when I met Vinny Tortorich and he convinced me to produce his podcast and be his co-host, that's when I first heard about low carb through him, through his NSNG, No Sugars, No Grains. And I was like, this guy seems crazy. I tried Atkins in the 90s. It sucked. And when I tried Atkins in the 90s, I was eating, I like had such a sugar craving that I was sitting in the Publix parking lot in Atlanta eating sugar-free Jello in the car because I had never like tried to not have sugar. <laughs> and I was like 20, 19 or 20. <laughs> so I was like, whatever. But his was a real food approach to eating low carb. And it really kind of resonated with me. And I was like, well, I don't have anything to lose, but some extra weight. So let's try it. And, and I was tired of the habit of, and back then I was still working on camera where you would just crash diet or whatever before the audition or before the thing that you're going to shoot. And Thank God for voiceover because you don't really have to do that. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. But yeah, so that's kind of how it all came about. And then I repurposed everything that I was doing for low carb, launched the cookbooks, launched the food company. And now here we are 11 years later and it's a totally different focus and it's a lot of things. Yeah, and now, you know, gluten-free is, is a buzzword and gluten-free doesn't necessarily mean it's healthy because as you know, a lot of companies are just riding the bandwagon, same thing with keto, just because it's keto friendly doesn't mean it's health friendly. But, you know, you were doing this before you could go to the grocery store and see things that, uh, you know, said clearly gluten free, you had to figure that out on your own and kind of make your own foods. Was that a challenge for you, you know, without having that uh, availability at the supermarket? Well, it's more challenging if you're trying to do gluten free, but still eat grains. If you're trying to replicate stuff that's Gluten has this magical property of, of elasticity that works really well in baking, which is why pizza crusts have that, they're crispy, but also chewy. And sorry, I don't mean to trigger anybody who's low carb right now missing pizza. I have, I have recipes for you, by the way. Yeah, you do, yeah. But, like, the, but you know, there are certain qualities in gluten that are really hard to replicate. So if you're baking gluten-free, it's very complicated and it's pain in the butt. And luckily some very smart people have come out with different flour blends that work. Because here's the thing, even though I'm low carb, you're low carb, we're mostly that slant. I don't want there to not be options for people to not be like, I, I don't want little kids who have celiac to not be able to ever have a cupcake. You know what I mean? So I'm glad that these companies have come out. I'm glad that there's innovation in food. You just got to read the labels and be really careful. But yes, back then there was nothing. I went to Whole Foods in Pasadena 
um, right after I was diagnosed and they did have a little tiny gluten-free section like in the back and it was really dusty and they had Pamela's cookies and then they had this one other brand of cookies that was $17 and it was a I'm telling you it was a pouch that was like it was like three inches by five inches pouch of little cookies and it was $17 and this is $2,002 not like today's like fiat currency that's been devalued like that was a lot of money back then and I took one bite of those cookies and I it was like I had been bit by a snake I threw them across the room and I was like these are disgusting I'm going to figure out how to do this where it tastes good. I want people to come over to the house and eat stuff with me and not know that it's gluten-free or not feel like they're missing out on anything. So that's kind of flavor and taste has always been my first priority because I'm Italian and I like to eat. For sure. Yeah, that's part of your heritage. So what are some good alternatives for those who are doing keto, which is primarily my audience? What are some good flour alternatives to to wheat? (laughs) None. The answer is none. So no flour. I, I, well, let me clarify that by saying you were talking about everything being labeled gluten-free or keto. You do have to read labels. You do have to be really careful. I call it right now, it's the keto explosion at the grocery store. I just did the winter fancy food show in Vegas for my sauce and spice company and seeing the number of products that are keto friendly, certified keto and all, all of this stuff, which is all fine and good. And I know that companies are going to capitalize on keywords that are popular right now that audiences are looking for, but there's no amount of convincing that you can tell me that a bread that has wheat flour or vital wheat gluten in it is keto. Those are two different things. So Agreed. just know Agreed. what yeah. you're getting. I've, I've spoken at conferences and there's vendors there and I, and I look at their ingredients, of course. And you know, it says that it's keto because technically it meets the net carb criteria to be keto. But you look that it has wheat or vital wheat gluten or um, protein. I'm like, come on, this is not keto. <laughs> you know, it's going to be inflammatory. So you're, I 100% agree with you. That's exactly it. The inf- the inflammation factor is what gets me. And so it's not like everybody has celiac like me because they don't think and thank goodness. But a lot of folks who come to keto and come to low carb are because the carbohydrates and the grains that they're eating are very inflammatory for their system and they need to calm it down. But then they go and find a keto cracker that has the gluten and then they wonder why they still feel sick or their stomach hurts or they're all of a sudden they wake up and the, the hands hurt and the knuckles hurt and the ankles hurt. And, you, and that's probably why. And so that for that sort of trickery, you know, shuck and jive that the food companies are doing. I don't like it. And I also don't want to be at these keto conventions either. I don't want to be like, that company is <laughs> yeah, right. Like I'll never right, do of that. Course. I want everybody to make their living and, and do it and figure it out. But just know as a consumer what you're buying, yeah. what you're looking at. So important. So important. Look at the ingredients. I teach my students that all the time. So what are your thoughts on like cassava flour, almond flour, some other flours that are not wheat-based? Yeah, Okay, so there's a number of applications that you can use any of these non-grain flours. Some of them are starchier than others, the cassava, the tapioca. What's the one? Some people are using the tiger nut flour. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And then you get more to the uh, the nuts, the actual nut flours, like the almond flour. Some people are using walnut, um, what's it called? Hazelnut flours. And then you get into, we'll screw it. Let's just go to pork rinds and crush those up and use those. So it, depending on the application that you're using them, for example, if I'm making a chicken parm, which by the way, you will never, you might find a gluten-free chicken parm at a specific gluten-free restaurant. There are some in New York City and some in Seattle. And th- so you will find that, but you will never find a low-carb slash keto chicken parm at any restaurant, at least in the U.S., you have to make it at home. Luckily, it's really easy easy to make. So I personally enjoy either coating things with almond flour. You can still do the egg wash and do the almond flour. If that's still too high carb or you want to focus on carnivore, you can coat the chicken and crushed up pork rinds and do an egg wash. Just make sure you season everything. Fry it up in the pan. Then you put it in the casserole dish and pour the, the sauce or the cheese or whatever, however you're doing it. Also, a mixture of grated up Parmesan cheese with any of those flours will, will help add to the flavor and the crispiness of when you fry it up, but not add to the carbs, hopefully. Parmesan's pretty good about that. But it, it all kind of depends on personal preference and what you like. Pork rinds, I hate the smell of, just hate, hate, hate. I won't eat pork rinds regular, but I love them crushed up into things. Like the pork rind pizza crust is insane because it smells to me so 
insane. And then you cook it and it tastes so good. You would never know that there's pork rinds in there. Wow. I haven't tried that. Is that in your, one of your books? That's in my second book. It's I also keep all of my pizza crust recipes for free up at my site because I feel like that's one of the first things that people miss when they go low carb. And I'm like, I got you, boo. I got you. Which is anavicino.com, right? Anavicino.com. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah well, well, I got to try that pork rind pizza crust. It sounds amazing. When you're feeling like you want the pizza, it's great. And the other issue I see in the keto space with these companies making keto approved foods, they might not have the wheat, but they have a lot of almond flour. And for some people that should be fine, but a lot of people, they, they don't do well with the anti-oxalates in it. So having something like pork rinds is a great solution to the oxalate issue. The oxalate thing I'm hearing more and more about, and uh, you know, there's a friend of mine with kidney stones and I said, Hey, I heard about this thing. And she was like, no, and I was like, I know. Uh, yeah. but there's I things know. you can do. I mean, Listen, for me, I understand the temper tantrum is real. And having gone through it now a couple of times because you can't have gluten. And back before I was diagnosed with celiac, I remember eating, remember Trader Joe's has, well, I remember that they used, they still have them. I just haven't eaten them in 20 years. They have these cookies called JoJo's, which are basically their equivalent. No, I don't know. I don't really go to Trader Joe's. No, you don't know either (laughs) because you don't eat it either. So I was eating a sleeve of these things. I just, and I remember saying to my husband, you know, it would take a medical condition, like a doctor would have to tell me to stop eating these cookies. That's dangerous. You guys. <laughs> I know. Careful what you wish for. But then, so, you know, the temper tantrum of like, what? I can't have what anymore? And then you get over it and then you incorporate it into your life. And by the way, I get I get a lot of angry emails from people, mostly women who are in the temper tantrum phase of like figuring out what they can and can't eat. The doctor said, you can't have soy or dairy or you can't have, you know, and you're like, I've given up so much. And then they write me angry things. And I'm like, listen, honey, you're in the temper tantrum and I'm not going to receive it, but I'm going to give you back love and I'm going to give you back solutions. And I'm going to give you back. You're going to get through this because I did. Yeah. that's it's It's wonderful to have those options because a lot of people... They might get into those temper tantrums and then they're like, what's the use? There's nothing I can eat. And that's not true. You have developed two recipe books and your website has a blog that gives you the solution. So it's so amazing to have that. I have hundreds of free recipes on my site. I have another, I have a third cookbook coming out. I'm considering putting out a cookbook before the third cookbook. So it'll actually be, you know what I mean? Like I, I cannot stop writing recipes because I want to make sure I love everybody's that. making dinner. Yeah, yeah. The whole, the whole oxalate issue, anti-nutrient issue. I do feel good when I do carnivore. And I I just got off 30 days of carnivore. I did it for January. But the way that I see it is it's really more of a leaky gut digestive issue than it is an anti-nutrient issue. So maybe short term, remove them, work on the gut, and then bring them back in. That's not to say we should bring back gluten. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying anti-nutrients, oxalates like almonds, et cetera, different nuts. You might get your, your digestive system healthy enough to a point where you could have it and actually not get some of the, the symptoms most people get. That That is my view on it. It's more of a digestive issue than just staying away from it forever. Well, and it's also okay to take breaks from things and cycle on and off things. We were sitting in a restaurant on our anniversary on Sunday night, my husband and I, and I'm looking at everybody sitting in this restaurant. We're at a steakhouse. And I was like, isn't it funny that we just, we drive someplace and then we sit down and we have other people bring us food. Like, it's so weird because our ancestors just have to run and go get the food and kill the things and dress it and truss it and all the things. But we're just, we drive somewhere and sit there and then it's just all this food is brought to us. Like we, it's great, obviously, but it's also like, <laughs> hold on, take a breath. Just because you can or, you know, everything's available to you doesn't mean it's great for your body. And the thing that sucks is that some of us are married to people who can eat whatever they want and still are, there's 30% of the population who can eat whatever they want and their outer body shell meat suit doesn't reflect any sort of damage. I don't know about their inner because I can't speak what anybody's blood work is doing or whatever. But, and it's like, well, hey, I want to be able to eat that thing. We we understand. We get it. I know but you do. You can't. <laughs> That's understand. just the way it is. Yeah. You can't. And sometimes if you cycle on and off things, then you can still kind of like enjoy. Like when I went carnivore, whenever I do a carnivore challenge, it sounds so dumb. And I, if I told this to my 25-year-old self, I would slap me. But when I'm done with the carnivore challenge, the thing I want is a giant salad. And I eat the giant salad. 
and it feels like I'm eating like something so decadent. Wow. It's so stupid, <laughs> but it is because you're like, you're tired of eating the same thing for 30 days and you want to change it up. And that's a nice change, but you also don't want to be like, well, I'm going to eat ice cream because you'll make yourself sick. You don't want to do that. Oh, uh, for sure. And the, you know, the benefit of carnivore, it's pretty simple and straightforward. Like just eat meat. It's like steak, burgers. You save time at the grocery store. That's for sure. You see, I save time. It, it keeps, you know, you don't have to second guess. You know what you can eat, what you cannot eat. But the drawback is, to your point, it's like, it gets boring. My fiance, every time I do carnivore, she's like, I'll do seven days with you. You're going to do 30, I'll do seven days. And I'm like, okay, let's try it again. Because she she starts doing it. She's two days into it. And all she does is complain. This is so boring. I can't have anything. Like, well, I, think, she does. I think with any time you make a dietary change, the first seven days are the hardest. So it's interesting to say, I'm going to do seven days. It's like, by day seven, you're on a roll. You should stay with it a little longer, but it's days two through seven that suck. Yeah, that that's the goal. I want her to get to day seven so she could then see, oh, I feel so good. I'm going to keep doing it. But she hasn't gotten to day seven yet. So we're still working on her. Uh, <laughs> but that's the, the drawback to carnivore. It kind of gets kind of gets boring. And it could be a little bit weird socially, like you're at restaurants. And I know when I go to restaurants and I'm like, yeah, I'll get this burger, no bun. I'll get this steak, no side. Like, you don't want the sides, but you have to still have to pay for it. That's okay. I'll pay for it, but no size. Like, <laughs> it's socially awkward sometimes. I now have my things that I say, like the burger, no bun. And if you could not bring the fries and put, you know, a little green salad, or if not, just put the burger and the and the bacon and the avocado on the plate. That'd be awesome. And charge me whatever you need to charge me. That's why I always say, charge me whatever you need to charge me to make that happen. And they're generally like, okay. Although I am in California, so they're used to us eating weird That is true. Miami as well. Miami Miami, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Keto Camper, I want to just pause for a second and tell you about my favorite drink for metabolic health. On this podcast, we talk about the importance of metabolic health, metabolic flexibility. Well, this is called Good Idea. And it is a great idea if you're trying to reduce blood sugar and keep your insulin levels in a healthy range. It has zero calories, zero sweeteners, and none of the junk ingredients, and it tastes like a lightly sparkling water. I call it a functional sparkling water because it has been clinically tested and shown to reduce blood sugar spikes after a meal. It contains a blend of amino acids and chromium piclinate. Together, they slow gastric emptying and increase insulin sensitivity, allowing a steady release of glucose in the bloodstream where it can be transferred into the cells for fuel. It also contains zinc and potassium as an added benefit. They hooked you all up with a special coupon code. So all you need to do is head over to goodidea.us and apply the coupon code BEN, that is B-E-N at checkout at goodidea.us. I'm going to drop that link in the podcast notes along with the coupon code. All right, let's get back to this episode. I've had servers where like I make these crazy requests and, and I ask them, is this the first time somebody has made these requests? And they're like, yeah, it is. <laughs> Usually they like a, if a server comes to the table and it's one of those servers where they could memorize the order and there's some people like that, not with me. They actually say, okay, actually, let me grab my notepad because this is a little bit different. Yeah, you're, you're like twitching because you're like, please get your notepad. You're not going to remember all this. Exactly. So the next question is this. For parents, right? How do parents get their children on board to live a gluten-free lifestyle to maybe not do keto, but just to eat healthier when they're so used to eating crap and it's like a dramatic shift? How do you make that change in a household? I mean, I could offer advice and then I could tell you what my experience was as a mom who raised a child who now lives in Rome and is gluten-free. So this is a million dollar question. And I feel like if we could solve this issue of how to get kids to eat healthy, we would be multimillionaires because every parent struggles with this and, and watching their kids. It's really easy when things are going off the rails with kids to want to just micromanage every single thing that they're doing. It's also really easy to want to look away and not look at what's happening. Let's say your kid is traditionally thin and doesn't show any medical issues or weight gain. It's also really easy to go, they can eat whatever they want. Mm, It's fine you know, because we have that preconceived notion in our heads that thin equals healthy, right? So it's like you want to walk the line and you you don't want to be stuck in either camp, really, because kids don't listen. Do not berate your children. And especially mothers, do not berate your daughters. 
It is not a helpful conversation to have. I'm not a therapist or a psychologist or any of those things, but I do know you cannot berate your children. Think about your own health journey and how you had to kind of come to it towards your own. So I will say what has worked in my household because I wound up raising the ultimate, what they call a noodle nugget child. What does that mean? Noodle nugget means they eat chicken nuggets and pasta and that's what they eat. (laughs) Wow. And it was, and I started off making her baby. I always loved to cook, right? So I started off making her baby food and then that was pain in the ass. And then she just kind of became a picky eater over the years. And then her picky eaterness became a part of her identity. Parents of picky eaters will know. They're like, I don't, she'll be like, I don't like fruit. And then everyone goes, Lucy, you don't like fruit. And it would become a topic of conversation. And it was part of our identity. And, um, Whatever, that was fruits, the least of my words. (laughs) Noodle nuggets, noodle nuggets, that's all it was. (laughs) She ate the same breakfast of turkey bacon and one Trader Joe's gluten-free waffle every day for breakfast for school for like 10 years. Like it was insane, this breakfast. It was so processed and so not good. So then all I can do is model my own behavior. And so when she's in middle school is when I'm figuring out I want to get off of grains altogether and sugar altogether. And I do that. I don't want to push my agenda. I don't think you should push your agenda to anyone. I think you should model your good behavior. I'm not saying good behavior, but model your good habits. That's a good, better way to put it. Uh, Model your habits that are working for you. Let people see that it's working for you. For example, I had, um, before giving up carbs, I always got those cystic hormonal zits that go below the chin, right? I would get those and that completely cleared up. And I always joked, I was like, I can't believe I'm almost in my 40s and I have zits and wrinkles. Like, that's not fair. And now I'm almost in my 50s and I have no zits and almost no wrinkles. And it's because I'm giving up sugars and grains. So you model that and then people are like, hey, how does your skin look like that? Hey, how did you lose weight? Hey, and let the people come ask the questions. Your kids will see you. Don't bring home the junk. You don't have to necessarily buy it. I always say to my daughter, you have the whole rest of your life to make your own decisions when you're out there in the world. But when you're here at home, we're going to eat this food. So long story short, she finally went away to college. And then the summer before her sophomore year, she went and lived with our friends in Italy and uh, worked at their villa where they make the olive oil. And they have a huge like villa VRBO situation. So she worked in hospitality doing that. Learned Italian, great summer experience for any child. And what she wound up doing was basically getting shamed for her American palate. (laughs) 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 And so she had to try all these. And now this kid, she's 23 and she lives in Rome. She's a painter. She eats any, I mean, bone marrow, weird organ meats, like you name it, she eats all of it. And I got to think to myself, it's a combination of me just going, this is what I'm going to do. She did come to me when she was 16, though, and she said, hey, I noticed if I don't have candy, my face doesn't break out. She, has, she said a few months later, you notice, I notice when I don't have, uh, can, she said candy again, because candy was a big thing. When I don't have candy, I don't have cramps that month. And I was like, pretty cool, right? So then you get to decide. <laughs> Do you want to suffer through cramps and breakouts or do you want to not? So it's your choice. It's your body, you know, but she drew the conclusion. That's a great connection right there. Yeah, I, I love that. So, you know, your point is is if you berate and try to force something, you're kind of going to push them further away. Just you, you be your own inspiration to them. And when the time comes, hopefully they'll see what you've done with your health. They'll ask questions and then they'll connect the dots like your daughter did with the acne and the monthly cycle as they she changed her nutrition. It got, it got better. What are your thoughts on, for parents who have like teenagers, making simple switch swaps at the grocery store? So instead of getting like the Doritos or the Lay's or whatever chips they were getting before, they got something like lesser evil. They got something like Simple meals, getting healthier swaps to put that in the pantry. What do you think about that? I think it's great. If you're not trying to keep under a certain carb count for kids, which, listen, keto is not for everybody. It might not necessarily be for kids. You guys have to decide for yourselves and your family. I mean, obviously, if there's a medical condition, epilepsy, there's a strong reason to do keto, of course. But like... First of all, I would start with like, can we make cheese crisps at home? Like, for example, when I make cheese crisps with my dill ranch seasoning, it tastes just like a cool ranch Dorito. So if we really want a crispy fun thing, why don't we do that? Why don't we model that behavior in the kitchen of like, hey, these are some life skills you're going to need because 
you're going to need to feed yourself. And eventually you'll probably have a family, whether you're a male or female or whatever in between, you're going to have other people in your life that you're going to want to know how to feed. Feeding is loving and you're going to want to know these skills. So anytime you can actually get in the kitchen, but I guess for me personally, I don't buy the simple meals or the living, what is it called? Because I know that lesser evil, they have those curly, those paleo curly Q things because, and the reason I know this is because I've bought that and then I just sit there and eat the whole thing mindlessly. Oh yeah. Because it's for so sure. easy and to do. that'll add up. Yeah. And, uh, and then you're like, oh, and you wonder why your stomach feels full and bloated. And you're like, I didn't even have that many carbs, but did you? You ate the whole bag. <laughs> It's like, <laughs> exactly. you know, so, yeah. I mean, if there's ever a chance where you can figure out how to make things together and you're reinforcing those skills, that's awesome. But also too, yes, of course, I think lesser evil and simple meals are definitely better than what Frito-Lay has got going on. Sorry, Frito-Lay. I hope that, you know, you never are a sponsor. <laughs> They're an official sponsor oh of this. No, I'm just oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what a mismatch oh, that would yeah, be. Huh? <laughs> so, uh, dill ranch cheese crisp. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Oh, how do you make that? It sounds amazing. Okay. Super easy. You can take any cheese, but it especially will work with the Monterey Jack. And you know how you have the brick of Monterey Jack, you just cut it thinly, like, and then you put it on the parchment paper and, uh, you put the oven at 400 and you can blast them and you can either put the dill ranch seasoning right afterwards, or I'm put, I don't know why I'm like blocking my, <laughs> <laughs> um, or make it before you you put it in there. And I also will do cheddar, cheddar with my barbecue dust. And I'll do either cheddar or Parmesan with the taco seasoning. And that tastes like a nacho cheese Dorito. I'm not kidding. And the barbecue dust tastes like a barbecue chip. They're really good. In fact, that's what I'm trying to, I'm trying to find a co-packer who that can be the next product who can make, make that shelf stable. But it's, I was just at the show and just talking to these, the guys who do it. There's a couple guys who do it at least on the on the west coast and so i'm trying to and they're like i don't think we can do it the way you want to and i was like but can we try <laughs> but we'll see i'm gonna i'm determined to find somebody who can do it that would be super cool i hope you do that sounds amazing where can we find that recipe it's not i mean it's just it's not a really printed because it's just cheese melted pretty with simple some, right yeah, yeah it's pretty and you basic. don't have okay. to buy my spices you can make a spice blends whatever you have just make sure you read read the labels because the spice blends they yeah put a lot no of crap seed oils no yeah they put thickeners yeah, cornstarch brown rice hulls anti-caking agents anti-slip agents all that stuff yeah so yeah let's talk about that what are the things that we want to avoid right so you, you mentioned a few but could you mention like maybe um a little bit of a list that we could write down like carrageen and maybe some Ugh. other things that we want to be aware of or carrageenan i don't know how to say that word i, I don't know either way we want to avoid it i think <laughs> So, I mean, and it's hard because a lot of times I'm I'm trying to be dairy free, and you know you still want to have a little like creamer in your coffee, and that's a lost cause, you guys, for dairy free. Here's my solution for that, because pretty much any almond milk, oat milk, rice milk, any of those Macadamia things. Macadamia nut milk. Yeah. Almond, yeah, almond milk is just almond water. Let's be honest. You just soak almonds. It's, it's actually more water than almond, I think. It right? is, and but what they have to do to make it milk like is put the gums and the oils and the emulsifiers, the emulsifiers in there, yeah. it's, it's not great. It's not great. And they don't even taste that great. You guys, let's be honest. I like things that taste good. By the way, that's why I don't ever, I personally don't do the sugar substitutes, the artificial sweeteners. When I'm going to make a dessert, I make a dessert. Um, I just make it with the least amount of sugar possible to make the thing work. Cause I just, I'm a huge believer in the homemade thing, but I can't tolerate any sweeteners that are not so when you say like the least amount of sugar, you mean like coming from like banana or honey or where, where's the source? Sure. Okay, Sugar Got is it. sugar, but yeah. And so coconut sugar, cane sugar, honey, beet syrup, coconut nectar, which is hard to find these days. Um, I think the one company that made it stopped making it. Shark Tank idea. There's somebody out there. Yeah, there you go. Maybe that's your um, next thing too. <laughs> but, but I know a lot of people like the sugar substitute, so I'm not shaming that. I'm just saying for me, I can't tolerate it. It gives me an upset stomach. I just full stop can't eat it. So yeah, I, I don't, for me, I do, I do well with like monk fruit and stevia and small amounts, some people but do. I know yeah. some, yeah, some people don't like it. My fiance thinks it's too sweet, so she doesn't like it. Monk fruit's better. Stevia to me is still like, come on, what are we doing here? But but whatever. Yeah. Okay. So, so you were asking about stuff to look for. Yeah. Red flags. Red exactly. flags. So the gums, obviously the seed oils, we talk a lot about that. My husband today, we were on a walk and he goes, people should talk about that seed oils are bad for you. I'm like, we are. We're literally, <laughs> it's a thing. Hubby. We are talking about that. Like that's not, he's like, you know what? <laughs> um, soybean oil, 
canola oil, sunflower, safflower, cottonseed, grape seed. Yeah, corn. Or the ones that are missing corn oil. Yeah. Those are the big, the Italians call it lampante. That means lamp oil. You burn it, you do not eat it. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I like so, that. Yeah. Think about how the process is when you make those oils. It goes through like 25 different chemical processes with deodorizers and, you know, sanitizers. And they 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 have to put chemicals in to make it kill you less. And to remove the smell, the rancidity smell too. It's rancid. It's flabby. It's deodorized. It's, and then olive oil is you take an olive and you press it. That's it. That's it. So... But then, of course, they cut the olive oils at the stores. So don't, just, again, I'm coming back to this whole idea lately where it's like you just have to know your food producers. You have to know where yeah. your food comes from. That's going to be the next revolution. And there's a lot of good companies out there trying to revolutionize this stuff. But if you're going to buy the same old stuff that's really cheap from the same old producers, you, you're not going to get what you want out of that. It's going to have some stuff, some bastardization. So things to look out for. So we talked about the gums and the thing. I would look out for, uh, for example, in spice mixes, what I learned from making, I had to go through several co-packers until I could find a, a guy who got that, you know, I'm the no sugars, no grains lady. So we're not going to add any sugar. We're not going to add any cornstarch to thicken it. In the 90s, we would have Taco Tuesday, right? And you'd buy the the packet, the individual packet of Ortega or El Paso or uh, now I think yeah, Taco Bell. Yeah, exactly what you know I, what I mean? used to use, yep. Yeah, and so you and you do the packet and the directions were, you know, heat your ground beef up and then drain the fat off, put it back into the pan, put your Ortega on there and then put a quarter of a cup of water on there to, and stir it up and then you make your taco meat. And- I was like, why do we do that? Why don't we just leave the fat in there and use that as the emulsifier and the thickener for the taco seasoning? Well, now the taco seasoning has all sorts of things in it to make it thicker, to make it more voluminous, you know what I mean? All the all the stuff. And then, of course, to sweeten. So the first fancy food show I did, I talked to this woman from Croatia who's bringing a truffle products and oils to the U.S. market. And she said she was told by a number of food manufacturers, you better add sugar to all this stuff if you're going to even think about getting in the American market because th- nobody will buy your stuff if it doesn't have sugar added. And I was like, no, don't add sugar. Don't do it. Don't do it. Is that and, because and they want to make it addictive? Is that the purpose? They think that Americans have a sweeter palate, which we do because now so much sugar is added that people are addicted to sugar, that it's, it's, you know, the snake eating the tail situation. So you really want to look for that stuff. So I got in an argument with my compliance lady. So there's, there's um, humorless people that you can hire who read your labels to make sure you're FDA compliant. And we, you and I, Ben, are in the business of telling people how to read food labels. So it's really funny to talk to these people one of her arguments with me is I wanted to write on the taco seasoning, no sugar added or no added sugar. It doesn't matter the wording. It means the same thing. And she said, you can't put that on there. And I said, but we didn't add sugar. And she says, you can only put that on something that inherently has sugar in it. And I said, I agree. I agree with you. Taco seasoning shouldn't inherently have sugar in it. But please Google, go to walmart.com or target.com and Google taco seasoning. I love how I use Google for search at another website's engine. But search for taco (laughs) seasoning and look at the top five selling and four out of five of them have sugar, grains, or fillers in them. So that's why it's important for me to distinguish in the marketplace that mine is no sugar. It's just the spices in there. And we went back and forth about it. And then ultimately I got my way on that. I didn't get my way on some other things, but you know, it's a give and take. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love that you did that. It's, it's so important. You know, the vegetable oil thing. So when I go to restaurants, you probably do the same thing. I tell the server that I'm allergic to these oils. Oh. Like when you say, when you say you're allergic, That's they bold. pay attention. Yeah. That's bold though. But, I have so enough it is food bold. allergies that I can't even, I can't, I'm too much of a pain in the butt. I can't do it. So I make, I, I tell them I'm allergic. Me and my fiance are allergic. Can you use a healthier oil? But I do that and I know it's bold. Not most people are willing to do that. So what I, what I developed, Anna, you're going to love this. I developed a seed oil allergy card where I actually have it, I actually have it right here. And it says allergy card. And you just show it to the server. Dear chef, I have food allergies to vegetable oils. 
in order for me to avoid an allergic reaction, I must avoid, and then it has the eight bad oils and red X's, please swap it for the alternatives. And then it says, please make sure the approved alternatives are not cut with the allergic options. Thank you for keeping me safe. So people could just show it now to their server. <laughs> I am gobsmacked. That's incredible. <laughs> and for those listening and watching, you can, get it, you can get it for free. If you just go to seedoilcard.com, like download it, put it on your phone or print it out and just makes it simple. So you don't have to actually make the request. Just say, here's what I'm allergic to. And it goes a long way. Those oils are so inflammatory. It's estimated that the half-life of these bad fats, linoleic acid, is about two years, meaning if you remove it today, after two years, will still be in your body fat. So you want to do the best you can with avoiding them. Tell your husband I have this car too. I think he'll like that as well. Oh my God. I can't. I'm going to tell my functional medicine doctor. She's going to go nuts over that. She's going to love that. Yeah, tell her. Tell her uh, the website is seedoilcard.com so seed oil, if she wants I'm, to check I'm it out. I'm yeah. writing this down. This is <laughs> That's awesome. Hold on. Hold yeah, on. you got to make it simple for people. It's important, because, you guys. Yeah. It's important. So important. Stop, right? your, stop your car. Pull over on the streets. Yeah, pull over. Seedoilcardsingular.com. Uh, singular. Singular. Okay. And I, if I, When I see you the next time, I'll give you a whole bunch of like the actual printed ones. In the meantime, you can just out. get the PDF and then you could save it as an image on your... Yeah, you can save it as an image on your phone and then just show your phone to the, the server. So that's one thing that we're not going to be able to change probably in at least my lifetime. You're younger than I am. It's up to your generation. But I feel like I don't think we're going to get seed oils out of restaurants in the States anytime soon unless something drastic happens because they're so cheap and so affordable. Well, I mean, we we vote... We, we essentially vote with the fork, right? So if we get millions of people like showing this card, they're, they're going to make a change because it's like, all right, this person's learned. It's like, we have to have the alternatives because so many people keep requesting the alternative. So it's just a matter of us making the request. It's I a agree. grassroots movement. So back when I first started podcasting with Vinny and people were starting to talk about grass-fed meats and pastured chicken and things like that, pastured eggs, and uh, it was cost prohibitive to most people. And now grass fed is really, I'm still, I'm not saying it's not still super expensive, but it has gone down in price because everything's economically driven. And if we are choosing with our wallets, food producers and farmers and ranchers, we, they will respond in kind. And it is, it is just going to be better for us as a people. It's better for the earth. It's better for farming practices. It's, I would rather see uh, these farms replaced with olive trees because that's actually happening a lot where I live. I'm two hours north of LA. So we're in the middle of wine country, but also olive oil country because they're making a lot of olive oils now because they're figuring out, well, we can take out these um, almond orchards and walnut orchards that are taking so much resources and they're actually switching them over to olive, that's awesome. olive oil. I know it's interesting to see how, but again, if the market wasn't there, they wouldn't be able to do it. Right, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it's a good point with the grass fed beef. You know, it was a demand and now it's readily available and it's not necessarily cheap, but it is available and you can get it pretty much anywhere. Yeah. So yeah, that's what it takes. It's just a matter of us requesting it. I know I do my part. I know you do your part. Now we just have to all do our parts. Hey, I want to take a brief minute to share something with you. For many years, I used to take fish oil and recommend it. And I see a lot of people in the keto space overdoing it with fish oil. There are several reasons why I am not a fan of fish oil and why I stopped recommending it to all of my clients several years ago. Number one, 83% of fish oil is expected to be rancid on the shelf before you even consume it. There was also an experiment done. This study was called the Iowa Screening Experiment. This study showed it took 18 weeks to reverse the negative effect of the incorporation of EPA and DHA from fish oil into the cell membrane. Another study found that fish oil increased the risk of colon cancer in mice. Here's the quote. We found that mice developed deadly late-stage colon cancer when given high doses of fish oil. More importantly, with the increased inflammation, it only took four weeks for the tumors to develop. Simply put, I stopped taking it. I stopped recommending it. I use a plant-based omega from Pureform. This supplement is nitrogen-infused, which preserves and protects it. It has the proper balance of omega-6 to omega-3. And most importantly, it gives you the derivatives, the building blocks, they're called parent essential oils, for you to produce your own EPA and DHA. If you wanna learn more about Pureform, head over to purelifescience.com. Use the coupon code BEN4, that is B-E-N-4, 
the number four at checkout and you'll get $4 off your capsules of Pureform. We will also drop a link for you down below in the podcast notes. All right, let's go back to this episode. When we launched the sauce company, so and, I, and the, the irony is not lost on me that I sell pasta sauces and I don't even eat pasta. I do eat the zucchini noodles and the spaghetti squash, but I usually just make it with meat. So when we launched the pasta sauces, I figured out really quickly that sauces are heavy to ship, they're expensive to ship, and they can break. Even with the best of packaging, UPS is just throwing, just throwing packages of sauce around and stuff will break. So we've been working on getting into grocery stores. And so what I've learned too from the groceries, so I'm talking to grocery buyers, first of all, trying to get grocery buyers to write you back and <laughs> is a whole thing. So it helps. I always drop the keto is really hot right now. So I say, I'm a best-selling keto cookbook author. And that helps me get the, yeah. Um, I, I try to use those things and, and it's working and we're rolling out into grocery stores here in the West and we're having conversations with big chains but the most effective thing is me telling my podcast audience, hey, make sure you're asking for these products in your grocery store. They listen to that. They don't want food rotting on the shelves that nobody's buying. They, they want stuff on the shelves that you guys are going to buy. So just keep that in mind that your voice is very powerful at these places. That's a great tip. That's a fantastic tip. Yeah, so you're still working on getting your pasta sauce in, in grocery stores that are working? So... Yeah, 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 for sure. That's why we go do the trade shows because a lot of the grocery store buyers are there. And even after, like, for example, we're, on, we're in Pavilions and Gelson's and Lassen's, which are three big chains out here in SoCal. And we're working our way north and working our way east. And um, But we're in some conversations with really big chains. And should any of those say yes, it's going to be a big game changer for the company, which is awesome. But I still got to make sure I can still make the same high quality sauce you know, because I'm not going to, I'm not going to sacrifice. And that's, that's a good thing about coming in from the outside is because I don't, when, when I had a co-man say for the spices, oh, we have to put in an anti-slip agent because garlic powder is clumping. And I was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to do that. And because by the way, garlic, imagine garlic, you know, when you cut garlic and your, your fingers are sticky. So when you're making garlic powder, that's also going to be sticky. Things might clump. So why can't it just clump a little bit? And you remember, you could just jam a fork in there or something. Like, yeah, exactly. Are we, are, we, are we not like okay with that as a people? Yeah, Primal Kitchen salad dressings are kind of like that. Sometimes you have to stick a fork in it for it to kind of be a little bit smoother, right? So Primal Kitchen did that. The you know Mark Sisson's company, they did a good job at scaling it mass without sacrificing quality. At least to this day, the quality is still pretty good. I know it got bought out, but it's still pretty good. They were bought out by Kraft and they're still keeping it up. So that's the trick. Because I know that like Justin from Justin's Nut Butters, he had to go through a thing where it's like, I want to have con creative control to make sure that the formulas don't get... Because, you know, stuff gets bought out. And by the way, great. We Here's the thing. It's a logistical nightmare to make sauce in California and deliver it to upstate New York, which is what we're dealing with if we get in, onboarded into this big chain that's in based out of upstate New York, right? And uh, But that chain is a darling chain. Everybody wants to be in it. They want to say yes to us. We're going to have to figure that out, how to get the sauce from California to upstate New York. What's much better is if we find somebody in Pennsylvania who can make the exact same sauce to the highest quality. But And you think, well, that's easy, right? Well, it's actually like 18 to 24 months of conversations and getting people and doing tests and getting people on board with the vision. Other sauce companies already have time on their line. So we're just figuring that kind of stuff out. But... Trying to get food nationwide, the exact same food to every single region in the country is, a, is actually a really tricky thing, which is why oftentimes people are like, what? We're having a Kerrygold butter shortage. What butter do you recommend? We're having the egg shortage. What eggs do you recommend? And I'm like, I, I don't know because I don't know what it's like in Michigan where you live. I like these brands, but you might not have them there, you know, because it's tough to get good, high quality food to every single state in the country. It is. And then we have companies that are making quality products and then they get bought out by these big food companies and then the formula changes. So I, I respect that, you know, you want to keep it highest of integrities like a Primal Kitchen has done that. I don't know if you saw, you probably have seen it, but Bragg's, um, like apple cider vinegar, Bragg's company, they, they got bought out by Katy Perry and Orlando Bloom a few years ago. So did I don't they really, yeah, That's they awesome. did. <laughs> so, um, I, but that makes me wonder 
if the quality has changed because I haven't done my research on them. So I haven't just, either. I yeah. didn't know that. I would like to see. I will say one of my biggest pasta sauce competitors, who is a darling, they have been bought out twice by giant companies. And every time in order to scale up, they've had to change their tomato supply. And, you know, it is interesting to see what's going on because I'm like, yeah, I know, I know how it works, but I also know, I also know that if we can scale, we can get our price down. You know what I mean? Cause right now we're at that, at that point where it's, it's considered super premium. That's what yeah. they call it. We're in the super premium category. Yeah. <laughs> Cause as much as I would like to sell, you know, a jar of pasta sauce for six ninety nine to everybody, it's just, it isn't possible. It would, <laughs> It's got to, yeah, totally. Not even, even going to happen. But the spices, the spices are a lot easier to, because you're basically just assembling powdered spices and it's all organic and no stuff in it. But it's a challenge to figure out how to do it. I'm rambling. Yeah, I can't even <laughs> imagine the logistical things going on there. So thank you for doing all that. I hope it reaches Miami sometime soon. I hope it does too. It is my goal to, I, we're in talks with somebody who would get it into Miami grocery stores. And I oh, just cool. really... You know, it takes about a year to have these conversations. And then after they say yes, then you have about six months to get it made and get it on the shelves. So, and can somebody like just go online and order it and get it shipped to them? Or, yes, yeah, oh, of they course. Can. Yeah. You can go to eathappykitchen.com. Absolutely. Eathappykitchen.com. Eathappykitchen.com. It's a great yes. name. Thank so, you for the plug. Yeah. There you go. Eathappykitchen.com. I want to, I want to finish the conversation with the importance of laughter, right? I mean, you're a comedian, you're super funny. Like being intentional with, laughing and enjoying yourself. What are the benefits of laughter with our health and all the things that we're doing? Oh my gosh. Isn't laughter everything? I mean, other than sex, don't we want laughter? Like we want those things the most. Not at the same time though. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's true. Now that I think about it, I don't think my husband would like it. If I Listen, I, my mom suffered from horrible depression. I have had you know, more than a few times with bad depression. Everyone in my family is on an antidepressant. So I have it coming at me from all sides, from all sides of the family. So I understand, and and also to being a comedian and being a performer and actually an introvert on my time off, I am very, what should I say, prone to darkness. <laughs> Because there's no way that you can just observe the world and not feel a little bit of pain every time you do. And that's why you have to make a joke out of it. So for me, one of the reasons behind naming things Eat Happy was because when I changed to a low-carb way of eating, I changed my brain chemistry for the better. And so while happiness is kind of this elusive brass ring, I certainly am happier than I ever have been. And I feel confident and excited about the future. And as far as laughter goes, you should always want to laugh. I always want to laugh. I always want to laugh. And I will notice too, sometimes I work so hard. I'll laugh hard at something and I'll be like, oh my God, I haven't, I feel like I haven't laughed in days. Like what? That's not healthy. You should be laughing all the time. So yes, the, I don't, I'm not a scientist. I don't know the studies, but the absolute, you know, just release that comes with laughter and joy and i'm sure whatever those good what is it called endorphins yeah endorphins oxytocin is one of the main ones you get yeah you also get oxytocin from orgasms though so. you do yeah but again <laughs> you guys reminder don't combine laughter <laughs> no, you, saw, you remember that seinfeld episode where he's like uh, george costanza is like i want to combine eating food which is one of our great pleasures with sex and he tried to combine it both at the same time it did <laughs> it not work, work out it didn't work. <laughs> yeah. didn't work no it doesn't work it doesn't work. But yes, laughter, you should be looking for it. Surround yourself with the people who make you feel great. You know, I hate that cut out the toxic people thing, but you could certainly draw boundaries with the people who you maybe don't have the boundaries with. I'm a fan of personal responsibility in the sense that like, you're toxic. I don't like saying you're toxic. I like saying I need to draw some boundaries in order for me to have a healthier relationship with this person or to figure out how to phase out the relationship with the person. So I take responsibility for my part in it. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That's so respectful and smart to do that, right? It's like you want to protect your environment, protect your energy without blaming people and casting negativity to people. Just protect your space and set boundaries. And sometimes you do have to cut people out of your life if they're not willing to accept the boundaries that you are stating. And that's just 
part and of it, but you it do is, become your environment. Painful. You're, yeah, and your environment determines your thoughts. Your thoughts determine your actions. Your actions determine your results. Right. So it all goes back to what is your environment? Who is your in your in your environment? What are you feeding yourself with your environment? So great. Great tip there. Laugh, watch funny movies, watch a comedian on Netflix, go watch Anna. Are you, you're not doing any more stand-up, are you? We we are. We just did a show in Santa Barbara last week. Oh, that's week. so I don't cool. Know. I, my schedule's up at, uh, whenever we do shows, I'll put my schedule up at annavicino.com. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So if you're in California, Southern California, uh, is that primarily where you're doing your shows? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes in New York, but I'll always put it up. My husband and I have been doing a dual act about marriage. So he's also a stand-up. And um, by the way, if you're, just don't get married if you're two comics. <laughs> They're so dumb. Don't marry another. If you're a comic, marry somebody who's not in the business. Like it's just, it's going to make your life easier. Just a little word of advice. And then you'll go marry who you want to marry anyway. Um, but no, we've been doing a dual act on marriage for, uh, since right before a pandemic, we were touring. And uh, when our daughter left the house, we kind of started writing jokes in a he, he said, she said sort of format because we would punch each other's jokes up anyway. So then we were like, well, what if we just got up there? I know this is weird, but what if we just got up there at the same time? And it actually worked really well. And hopefully if you come see us, you'll either feel great about your relationship or maybe you'll identify, maybe, maybe you'll get mad at each other. I don't know, but (laughs) we talk about it all. We, We bear it all out there and it's fun. It's very fun. That's super cool. So does your website have the updates and where you're speaking? Always. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Awesome. We'll, We'll put, you'll put your website down below. Last question. Actually, before I get to the last question, you have two books and you're writing a third, maybe a fourth. First one came out in 2016 called Eat Happy. And then you have the latest one, Eat Happy 2. Uh, actually, T-O-O. T-O-O. Um, so play you, on words. where's the best place to get those books? Uh, there's a, a little bookshop called Amazon that still sells them. <laughs> and uh, Barnes and Noble is another one. And then I think most people, you know, it's interesting. I like a hardcover cookbook, but a lot of people are buying them on the Kindle now. And I have the PDFs since I own the rights to it. I have the PDFs at eathappykitchen.com if you want to get them there. So I want I want recipes available to people. I also have a Substack newsletter, which is kind of where I put all of my new, my newly published recipes since that second cookbook. And um, I have finished Eat Happy, Low Carb Italian. So that's it at the, now I decided to traditionally publish that one. So that one's at the publisher, but I'm sure as you know, it's going to take forever. So that's why I'm like, do I write? Do I put out another book? Something else in between, yeah. <laughs> they're going to take so long. Like, it's like, what is taking so long? Yeah, yeah, totally. That's awesome. So we'll put links for all of that down below. The final question is, I talk a lot about gratitude and I call it vitamin G because it's such a powerful I know, supplement. and I love that. <laughs> I love vitamin G. Vitamin G. So what is your daily dose of vitamin G today? What are you grateful for today? Oh, today? Right now. Oh, besides just this conversation? Yes. You know what? I got to talk to you and Abel James in the same day and that's a really good day oh, because cool. I love you both so much and this is it's so good for me to be able to do that. I did a a crazy New Year's resolution, which is I have to do it one hour of cardio every day. Vinny inspired this because he did it last year. I have to do one hour of cardio every single day. So 365 hours of cardio. And I am on track for that. And so right at this moment, right on on, while we're recording, I don't know when this is coming out, but while we're recording this, I'm still doing it. That's awesome. (laughs) So, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's a lot easier to feel grateful when you've got your brain and your body worked out with exercise and with low carb. It's a lot easier to be able to take a breath because the things still happen. It's not like all of a sudden you're like, I feel happy and amazing. I'm never going to feel a negative emotion again in my life. Like that's BS. Of course, you're going to, things are going to happen. Tragedy will happen. People will die. People will get sick. People, accidents will happen. You, You know what I mean? So it's about changing our emotional response to things. And when I have done my hour of cardio and kept it up, and when I am eating low carb, I feel so grateful to be able to have a different emotional response. And I got to say, I'm a woman of a certain age. I know that I'm in the middle of perimenopause and I can't even imagine what this must be like for carb eaters. Mm, Yeah. So I am grateful to have found this work that we're doing and I'm grateful to be able to speak with you and to speak to the people. And um, I hopefully am uplifting. I feel gratitude when I know that I've uplifted somebody else. That's beautiful. 
congratulations on your commitment, 365 hours of cardio. Have you done yours today yet? I, I haven't said it per- publicly <laughs> until now. I feel like, oh God. Everybody knows now. Really do it. Have you done your hour session today? Is it done yet or no? No, today I'm only up to 36 minutes. I've got to go get on the bike after this. Okay. <laughs> and I love Abel James and I also love Vinny Tortorich and I love you, Anna. You're awesome. We're, we're going to just be one big happy family. We sure are. We can't wait to see you at an event. I um, yes, I've got vitamin G for you too. You're just very uplifting and positive, and you really helped us out because you know you, the tips you gave us today are very practical. Uh, a lot of ladies and parents listen to my show, and uh, what you shared today is just so practical for them to put it into use right away and get a result. So we're gonna put links for Anna's books down below, your website, everything mentioned. So if you're watching on YouTube, it's down below. If you're listening on the podcast. It's also down below. But Anna, I look forward already to a round two discussion with you and also seeing you in person, giving you a big hug and laughing at the same time. I know, me too. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for coming on the show. That's right. Thank you, my friend. Well, there you have it. I told you you were going to have some fun today with uh, Anna and myself. She is just so much fun to speak with. You could get her cookbooks, Eat Happy, Eat Happy too on Amazon and at some bookstores. We'll drop links in the podcast notes for you as well. Her website is annabacino.com. Her Instagram is at annabacino. We'll put that down in the notes below as well. If you want to watch the video interview with Anna and myself and all of the Keto Camp podcast interviews, that's on YouTube, youtube.com slash Keto Camp. Please consider sharing this episode with a friend, somebody you know. If you want to get that seed oil allergy card that we mentioned for free, Head over to seedoilcard.com and download it right now. Put it on your phone, show it to your waiter, avoid those rancid seed oils. It'll go a long, long way. Please consider leaving the show a rating and review if you haven't done so already. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with us. I will see you on the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.